We're live. My guest today is Spade. He is the core, he's a core contributor at Neutron. Today we're going to be talking about Neutron's airdrops, Neutron's tokenomics model, their governance model, and also interchain security. I'm also dying to find out why he thinks not everything needs to be a Cosmos SDK app chain. Before we get started, make sure to hit the like button, hit the notification bell, and subscribe to get notified when I go live every week. And remember that none of what we discuss here on The Interrupt is investment advice. And if you enjoy this content, please consider sticking with us. We're validating on FMOS, Quicksilver, Osmosis, Juno, and more chains to come. Just look for The Interrupt in the validator set. And I hope you book your flights for Paris this summer, because Nebula 7 is happening on July 24th and 25th. In fact, we've added a third day on July 23rd, which will be Nebular Hack Day. It's going to be a full day of technical workshops. Nebular Summit is the Interchain Builders Conference. It's where Interchain Builders come together to talk about the latest and greatest tech in the cosmos and the Interchain. No suits, no bullshit panels, all tech talks and workshops, and that's the way we like it. The second batch, actually, early second batch of early bird tickets are sold out, but you can still get tickets at Nebula.Builders, and you can certainly register for Nebula Hack Day as well there. My guest, Spade, is coming up next, right here on the Interrupt. Hey, how's it going, man? Hey, sir. Doing pretty good, actually. Thanks for having me again, I believe, actually. Um, yeah, that's first... right. You, you were back on, you were on like back in, I guess, like more than a year ago uh, with the P2P team when you guys had just did the proposal and this was like before Neverlear version one. So it's been a long time. Indeed, actually. Yeah, time flies. Yeah. And um, yeah, this is quite exciting since Neutron went live. Uh, a few weeks ago, and I believe now everyone's super excited about their airdrops and uh, and uh, all you know get, get it, getting their their neutron tokens. I claimed mine earlier today. Uh, should also disclose to our listeners that I am a minority angel investor in neutron. I'd like to get those out of the way before we have any conversations like this. But um, yeah, you know, let's. I'd like to describe a little bit of the process of this whole like ICS onboarding process, because you guys are the first chain to uh, leverage interchain security. And, you know, I think that probably there were a lot of lessons and learnings through that process that other chains that will be onboarded to on interchain security uh, will be sort of happy to know or, or, or benefit from. So yeah. Can you describe that process and um how, how did it go? Did it go smoothly? Were there any hiccups? Yeah. I mean, there, there were sure, surely like hiccups, right? But I mean, we, we kind of signed up for it um, when we um, decided, you know, to participate in Prop 72, knowing that we would most likely be like the first chain to ever do this in production. Um, so I, I think first I'll, I'll, I'll give a brief um, description of like what the process is supposed to be like, right? So for a chain to be launched on uh, on the Cosmos Hub on replicated security, it needs to have um, first like the technic like the part of the code that makes it possible, and two, it needs to have the approval of the Cosmos Hub. And so, um, roughly speaking, you have a proposal on the Cosmos Hub. That proposal is a specific type. It contains specific information that tells the the, the cross chain validation module on the provider chain, so the Cosmos Hub and the consumer chain or partner chain, e.g., Neutron, 
um, you know, what, what the, the validators are, what the chain ID is going to be, all of, the, all, all of this, like, technical parameters that make it possible. And when the proposal is accepted, um, the, the, what happens is that on the Cosmos Hub, there's a light client that's created. And it creates a, um, the CCV state, e.g. Um, it's the it's like a, a part of the blockchain's initial state that you need to have in the Genesis file in order for the chain to know sort of like what's the, the, the initial stage uh, for the first block so that it's able to start validating blocks and then uh, get connected to, to the hub over IBC. And so the, the main thing that like that, that process um, has been sort of involved because um, a lot of the like a lot of the processes around how to do this properly, how to you know um, like make the governance proposals, how to um, participate in the test nets, how to rehearse what were the, the, the communications template for um, a lot of these stuff, what information needed to provide uh, like was needed to be provided, all of these things, were sort of like ironed out throughout the process, not just by our team, but all of the, the teams that were involved, like everyone who worked on the Cosmos Hub, all of the validators, IFA, Informal, and, 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 and others. And so like they've come a long, long way since sort of like the, the, the start of this process. And I, I do believe that like having Neutron sort of like crash test this whole thing in production um, will, will have helped tremendously like the next change to actually have a much smoother experience. In our case, we had like one major um, sort of like um, complication, which was that validators, like in general, don't want to use the same key for running multiple chains um, for the sake of you know isolating risk, right? Um, and so there's a function in ICS that allows uh, the validators of the Cosmos Hub to assign a new key for their consumer chain node. Um, normally, that 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 needs to happen before the end of the proposal. Because you know the the state, the genesis state that we mentioned just before, it needs to have this information. The new key needs to be in that file, and that file is created when the proposal passes and the light client is created. It's not updated afterwards. But on on the hub, when Neutron launched, actually there was um, a, a bit a bit of a complexity where um, an edge case that hadn't unfortunately been covered during test nets uh, was discovered, and so some folks were having troubles um, assigning keys with multi sigs or with ledgers, right? And so a large number of validators weren't able to assign a key. And that meant that some of the voting power was ineligible to start validating Neutron at first. And we needed to spin up Neutron without them um, and then connect it to the hub so that the hub could let them know about the new keys that had been assigned after that, that Genesis date. So that was a bit of a um, something that like, you know, that was a bit of a challenge. Uh, we spent a lot of, of, of time with the validators like launching Neutron um, because first we needed to get to that threshold, but some of the voting power was un unavailable. And then we wanted to have some margin of error so that when the updates come in, even if we, you know, the validator needs to switch to their new, new key and therefore don't contribute to the voting power for a second, um, we wouldn't halt. Um, right, so we were trying to avoid a scenario where the chain would start and then halt and then start and then halt multiple times because that would have been very annoying to absolutely everybody. Although it was like no, nothing would have broken in the like, like critically, but it would just not have been very very clean. So that that took a bit of time, but but with the participation of like a bunch of validators um, that, that and and the various teams like that, everybody has been like tremendously supportive in this regard. We were able to you know get that margin of error. Get the updates uh, running, and then you know, since then, since the 11th of May, Neutron has been like running pretty smoothly, um, and is stable, interesting, secured, and, and everything. And 
um, you know, that bug was addressed. So no consumer chain ever will ever have that problem. Now there's much better docs. All of the, the Cosmos validators are aware of what they need to do and when they need to do it as well. And so I expect that the next ones will be um, like much smoother uh, with perhaps one caveat, which is that Stride is doing something pretty incredible by migrating an existing chain to um, ICS. And so that's sort of like the other scenarios. Uh, they, they will be the first to do that other scenario. And so they may encounter some complications there um, that, that will help in any case, like consumer chains do that in the future though. Um, so I think with these two chains coming live, we'll have a pretty good sort of like test of how ICS works and, and how we can improve it. Um, yeah. That, that's super cool. I mean, I, I, I didn't realize that... Uh... That this process was was so complex. Um, with you mentioned, uh, Stride will be uh, will be onboarding ICS. Uh, is that process any any different? And I guess the question there is: all of the validators that are that are there that are already validating on Stride that have like a vested interest in that chain and everything that aren't necessarily Cosmos Hub validators. Are they being left in the dark here or sort of excluded so, from so, so that's being the thing, able right? to validate? Yeah, so I, I think migrating to ICS is basically two main sort of tricky points. The first one is if your chain like Strides is already connected via IBC to a whole bunch of other chains, then you need the mechanism to basically transition these channels um, so that, that they continue right. functioning afterwards yeah. or you need to recreate all of these connections, like unwind them and recreate them. Um, and so, like, I that that's a significant part of the work. The other part is, you know, the existing validator set. What do you do with the with your current validators? Um, one option is to just like tell them, well, thank you for your work. You're now out of a job, and we don't need validators anymore. I think for Stride, what they're doing is that they're going a slightly different route, where the existing validator set will become governors, where they'll receive, they'll have like a, a delegation mechanism for um, for governance. Um, and so the the and, and and a few other functions that validators will perform and get paid for, and then the Cosmos Hub this validator will will focus on just like block production, basically validating the blocks. Okay, so so essentially separating uh, block production and and governance is, is that? Yeah, separating block production and uh, governance plus a few sort of like application specific functions that that exist in the Stride blockchain. Okay, that's interesting. I mean, that's a I mean, that's a new concept to me. This idea of of separating block production and governance. Maybe we can talk about this a little bit later when we, when we talk about governance because I, I think it's a. You it's know, a case it's, on Neutron as well, yeah. It is a case on Neutron. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's I, I, even more separated on Neutron because, like, in Stride's case, um, I believe, and I'm not a contributor to that repo, so I have no idea, but I assume that. Uh, they're using something like the uh, the democracy module or, or something like this, which essentially um, has a de delegation mechanism similar to the staking module, except in this case, like the tokens are used for voting power. And so you essentially have validators um, or even other entities basically um, acting as governors or like representatives. Um, they can vote on your behalf of, or if you want to vote directly, then you can do that still. Um, and yeah. So, so it's still handled at the Cosmos ATK level. In Neutron's case, it's actually completely moved to another layer, to the uh, Cosmosm uh, small contracting layer, actually. So we have, an, you know, like a third implementation of how governance can work in 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 in, uh, in Cosmos. Great. Uh, I realize I I haven't added Cosmosm to my list of topics here. We're, we're gonna have to cover that as well. So, in um, we've talked about ICS here on on the show before, and 
uh, when when I last looked at it, there were like different versions of ICS. So there was like perfect replicated security, and then you could kind of depart from that in like version two and version three. And then like Adam, the Adam two point paper, or sorry, the Adam one paper had and Jay had like a different vision for you know how um, interesting security would work and. Can, can you describe in, in the current um, state of things, what are the different versions of interchange security and which one is Neutron implementing currently? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so basically, like to, to do the whole picture, basically like there's um, shared security is the idea that you can share security within like between blockchains, right? So replicated security is an implementation within that family of solutions. There's another one in Cosmos, which is uh, mesh security, which is more focused on the delegators as the, um, unit of like the fundamental unit, whereas replicated security considers the validators as as the core unit, right? The current implementation, which is sort of like replicated security v1, is um, essentially the entire set of one blockchain becomes the set of another blockchains and all of the yeah. state. So you have you know pretty high infrastructure cost because you need to run an additional node for all of the validators, but you also have the entire economic security of the Cosmos Hub. Um, and you don't really have, um, you, you don't necessarily have like compromises on, on there, right? Like as the, you just get the same set and the same stake. Um, now there are a few sort of like things that need to be ironed out currently and which will be ironed out over the next um, sort of like months. Um, the first one is um, in Neutron's case and in other consumer chains that are launching, I believe, um, there is a mechanism which is called the soft opt-out. The idea here is that recognizing the cost of infrastructure um, uh, for smaller validators particularly, it made sense to allow some of them to have more breathing room by basically giving them the choice of um, you know, running a node or not without being sanctioned if they don't run a node in order to make sure that you know, the financial pressure doesn't drive operators into like duress, basically. Um, that feature isn't really thought of as some, something that's like permanent. Uh, it's more like, hey, well, replicated security matures, we're going to help you have a, a, an easier time basically uh, before, you know, revenue kicks in and before um, the sort of like next versions of ICS are, are there. The second thing that's will, that will most likely change in the short term is um, there was an update to how slashing is handled in the in, in replicated security um, a few months before um, Neutron's launched. Um, the update basically changed one thing, like when a validator um, so, you know, the, the validators are shared between the two blockchains. If a validator misbehaves, e.g., for example, if a validator double signs on a consumer chain, what happens? Well, the, the, the consensus engine of the consumer chain, like, sees the double sign, makes a proof that they misbehaved, but the stake is on the Cosmos hub, so they can't slash it locally, right? So instead, what the, what the consensus engine does is that it, it, it takes the proof and it sends it to the Cosmos hub. Um, initially, that triggered the slashing automatically, but that has a risk for the Cosmos Hub, which is that imagine if there's, um, like imagine we're evil, right? Like everyone who works on Neutron is absolutely evil and all of this was a plan to, um, to destroy the Cosmos Hub. And so the way we did it is that as soon as we launch, we make, we force the Neutron consensus engine to like slash um, every validator or to slash all of the validators that we don't like, for example. Um, well, what the, the, like the, the critical scenario there would be that you could end up with a drastic change in voting power and also tremendous economic loss loss as well. And so to ensure on the that Adam side, so so Adam Cosmos Hub validators would be affected here. Yeah, because they would be slashed. Um, right. They would be they slashed. Would be slashed, they would be slashed for good reasons. Yeah. 
So like it, it would be basically like a malicious consumer chain could have exploited this mechanism to do damage to the hub, right? I think um, this was one of the concerns that Jay had in and correct, that he yeah. was voicing in his paper, right? Exactly, yeah. Um, and so, so basically to address this, um, there's two solutions. The first one is the short-term solution that was uh, that is currently implemented, which is that um, instead of automatically triggering the slashing once we receive the message from the consumer chain, the hub first checks with governance uh, whether or not they, they should be slashed. E.g., if a validator double signs on Neutron today, they're not instantly slashed. Um, for Before they're slashed, we need to make a proposal, a, which is an equivocation proposal on the Cosmos Hub, to you know show proof and say like, look, like this guy clearly either neglected their their validating job or they were malicious and tried to destroy the chain. Uh, they should be punished, and then governance can review the evidence and, and actually um, confirm the, the slashing. Basically, now that's not ideal as a system because it's you know pretty high maintenance sort of things. Like you don't want to be um, like there's a reason why in proof of stake in general we, we're not asking uh, governance to actually review every slashing or every jailing, um, and so eventually we should move away from this. And so that leads us to so like the next iteration of replicated security, um, still the same setup, full set on both sides, but this time we have what we call the um, untrusted consumer chain protocol, which is um, basically the hub now has this ability to check the proof that the consumer chain sends to know whether or not the validator should actually be slashed. So. If the consumer chain sends a valid proof that shows that the validator actually double signed, um, then they get slashed automatically. There's no need to ask governance because we can verify cryptographically that the, the they misbehaved. Or if the consumer chain is malicious and trying to attack the Cosmos Hub, then the Cosmos Hub can verify that proof, see that it's not valid, and just reject that and ignore it completely so that the, the, the validator set is protected. The slashing mechanism is in place so the consumer chains can have a high degree of security that um, you know, the validators are going to continue behaving honestly. Um, so that's sort of like the, the next upgrade. Now, the more involved versions include, um, you know, eventually like work on mesh security-like solutions for, for ICS, uh, but they also include the opt-in mechanism, which is um, currently we have the full set being, um, you know, used on both the hub and the consumer chain. Perhaps we can create a, a mechanism that allows only parts of the set to, to validate the consumer chain. That would have a lower degree of economic security. Um, and it does have one thing that needs to be solved for this to work, which is the subset problem. E.g., you know, if you let people completely decide, like the validators freely decide uh, which chain to validate, you could have a situation where, let's say we launch chain Z and, um, and let's say um, Coinbase Custody decides to validate and then the only other validators that decide to validate are like the, the bottom five validators who have like less than, than a percent voting power. In that case, you would end up with the consumer chain having literally like, like most of the voting power by far being controlled by one validator, which would be able to hold the chain, censor blocks, um, that, that kind of stuff. And the other validators wouldn't have enough voting power to prevent this. So we need to have mechanisms to, to ensure that the sets that are constructed via opt-in security are um, sound, basically that they're distributed enough. But so this is something that in, informal, as far as I know, is working actively on for the next version of, of replicated security. And the benefit of that is that it has much less infrastructure cost and it still has a pretty strong value add for chains that don't necessarily value the economic security itself uh, much, but still want to have that close alignment with, uh, with the Cosmos Hub, basically. 
So, so early earlier uh, in the intro, I uh, mentioned your hot take, which is that you you don't think that every chain needs to be a Cosmos SDK chain. You had another one, which uh, which I'll mention here, which was that you think that ICS should only be about twenty chains or so. I've heard other people say that as well, and I think the argument for that is that um, at some point it just becomes a pretty technically like it's a, it's a huge burden on the infrastructure providers to have more than that amount of chains. Maybe there's other uh, considerations here, but yeah. Do you want to address those two uh, somewhat spicy hot takes? Yeah, for sure. I mean, so I, for, for like starting with replicated security first, like I just like my, my point is two things. The first one is um, from the infrastructure perspective and the economic model of ICS currently, like it, 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 it will not work. Like validators will not accept it in the current setup to validate 20 more chains um, without, you know, having much stronger economic guarantees that, that, that the, their cost is going to be compensated, right? For this to work, for ICS to be able to secure hundreds or thousands of chains, like we sometimes hear, um, not only would we need to change the tech um, a bit, but we also need to change the way that we think about ICS, e.g., Currently, ICS is thought of as sort of a mix between a, a service agreement with between the hub and the consumer chain, um, and sort of also an investment in the consumer chain. E.g., we will like the hub shares in the upside of that consumer chains. Now, if we want to scale it to like hundreds of th or thousands of projects, um, the validators will demand that their costs are covered from day one, basically, because otherwise, that would this just doesn't work for them, um, and so that changes. The agreement drastically from the consumer chain's perspective as well as from the hub's perspective into being purely an agreement for services right and that that might actually be valuable and i know that some projects are working on something like this right but the thing is like currently there's a lot more upside that the hub can get by having sure a more reduced set but having a set where one it actually um, thoroughly vets the projects that it launches and two it has um, you know, like very deep partnerships with sort of like very close connections and and and, and those consumer chains are, are selected um, partially like in parts because they add value to Atom like very directly, right? Um, in the case of Neutron, for example, we're providing like an execution environment for for the hub. We're bringing smart contracts to the hub, basically. Um, that's valuable for for two things because of what you can build on it, uh, but also and and you know and because it brings like DeFi and gets the hub like revenue from that, um, but also because it scales ICS. E.g., you can have hundreds of applications, or thousands in this case, um, launching on the hub security, have that close alignment with the hub without actually creating any sort of infrastructure cost for the validator set. So basically, we're vertically scaling um, replicated security itself. So that, in my in my opinion, that's a pretty um, strong value add. Now, there's other types of projects that the hub could benefit from. And I think, for me, the, the best move here is to um, you know, have a very constructed approach at what do we need for the minimal security provider hub to uh, succeed and become, you know, like like continue to be like the, the, such a large chain cosmos, but 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 climb the ranks in the industry as a whole, basically it become this sort of like beacon sheep, like a like mothership that drives the uh, the industry as a whole. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that would be my take. So there's a political argument and and an economical slash technological one. Now, in terms of like why I don't think everything should be a Cosmos SDK app chain, it's because um, blasphemy. <laughs> I know, right? I didn't say I didn't say not everything needs to be in Cosmos. I just said that not everything needs to be its own app chain, um, which which is fairly different, to be honest. Like basically, the the point here is that 
um, like the the revolutionary idea of uh, of of Cosmos, right, is the abstract thesis, like the idea that if you own your own stack, you're able to customize it much more. Um, like that is true, and I actually like believe in this vision like 100. Um, percent But we also need to realize that there are trade-offs, right? Like there there is cost involved. There's like time to market um, considerations. There's um, currently still like fragmentations of liquidity, user bases, uh, problems in the UX and everything, right? And so like depending on what you're building, you should go for the stack that makes the most sense for this, right? So in the case of DYDX or, um, or Osmosis or, or others, like they know that they can, or Stride, for example, they know that they can leverage the fact that they control the blockchain itself in order to make a, a better product, right? So they should do that. Um, that that's a, re a really good call. But some applications might value, for example, like synchronous uh, composability more, right? For liquidations, rehypothecation, or, or whatever purposes. In that case, you want to have a shared environment. And that shared environment will also provide you with you know, a, a bunch of liquidity, user base, exposure. It will provide you with an easier go-to-market because a lot of the tools will already be available. Um, and so you, you can ship faster, basically. And so depending on what you're building, you should go for the stack that makes the most sense. And so my take on this is actually that the you know between the general smart contract platform world computer vision and the app chain thesis there's actually it's not just like a black and white thing or where you're either a cosmos dk app chain or you're on ethereum it's more of a spectrum right where like neutron is sort of like more on the um, kind of like in between the two because it basically gives you all of the tools to uh, interact with app chains but it's also itself like a, a shared settlement layer um, but you can have like other sort of like trade-offs right so how about we make rollups on neutron whereby you have your own dedicated execution environment, but you still benefit from the shared settlement layer and from you know access to IBC, the liquidity on the L1, extra, 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 right? So in that case, you would be basically almost like an app chain with a little bit less customizability because you, like there is a, a settlement layer that you need to conform to, um, and and so like a little bit less sovereignty, but a good deal of customizability. So that may be a, an interesting trade-off for for people, um, and and you would still have the ability to have your Cosmos SDK app chain basically. So yeah, yeah, I, I fully agree, and I've been talking about this for a long time here on the podcast. Like, I, I, I kind of saw this uh, this spectrum coming, uh, you know, about six months ago. Where on one end of the spectrum, you know, if and and I think the the interesting analogy is to compare it to the web and the way that web infrastructure, the way the, the, the different configurations in which you can deploy like an application on the web, and like the one ex, one extreme you have. Uh, on one end of that spectrum, you have, uh, you know, deploying your website on Squarespace, right? Like that's the, the least amount of cost and the, 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 the easiest way to deploy an application. Uh, but you have essentially very little uh, control over the underlying infrastructure and like many layers of the stack. And on the, on the other end, you have, you know, Amazon building their own hardware and uh, data center infrastructure and controlling every, every component of the stack. From from the application all the way to basically like the power supplies in those machines. So like, and then in, in between, there's tons of app. There's tons of uh, different configurations. So you may um, deploy on your application on like a digital ocean, right? And to me, that resembles more like a roll up, uh, a, a, um, roll up style, uh, where you have lots of control over your app and some infrastructure control, but not all of it. And then you know, you might also deploy on, you know, on, on Google Cloud, right? Where you have like lots of control over the inf over, over the technical infrastructure, but not over the data center infrastructure. And so that might resemble more like a settlement roll up or something like that. So, yeah, I mean, th these things are modularizing and there's going to be, uh, 
there, there, there will be uh, ways to deploy applications that suit every type of application, depending on, uh, you know, all, all sorts of parameters, including cost, including scale, including, uh, you know, security and these sorts of things. So, yeah, I think, I think what's going to be yeah. really interesting to watch is sort of like people building the transition mechanisms for like between these various trade-offs, basically, because we're already seeing, for example, Absolutely. like, yeah. um, like UIDX sort of like transitioning into an app chain, right? They, they've reached this, this, um, this point where the product is already awesome. Um, and to take it further there, they need more control over the infrastructure and now they're migrating, right? But, but probably they're doing all of that manually, right? They're not able to import any of their existing work or, or no, they have to rebuild the thing basically. Now, how about we could provide something that allows you to sort of like convert, um, let's say a chain or a rollup into a chain or a rollup. Um, yeah, upscale your infrastructure. Exactly, like Rollkit from Celestia is basically that, right? So you take your Cosmos SDK app chain and then you move it as like, you, you turn it into a, um, a, a rollup on Celestia. Probably there's going to be like a way to roll back and that kind of stuff. And so like seeing the tools that are going to rise to, to do this, I think is going to be an interesting sort of um, trend to watch. Yeah, I've been writing. I've been wanting to write this post for for a long time. As soon as I've done fundraising, and as soon as Nebula's over, uh, I'm gonna actually like write this blog post describing this whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to it. Yeah. So let's um, let's talk a little bit about. I mean, I don't know. Do you want to talk about the governance first, or do you want to talk about the tokenomics and the airdrop? Uh, what's uh, what's most interesting to you? I mean, does it really matter? I think what's what's in, what's important is like what what do you think is interesting to your audience? I guess. Oh, okay. Well, sweet. yeah, you're turning into the injury here. Uh, let's let's talk about the governance. I, I think that's I think that's the the coolest thing. I mean, we, I'm sure people are interested in the tokenomics and, and the airdrop, and I, I am too. But uh, I want to get into the the governance a little bit. So yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, talk about how that works and what what was the sort of inspiration for the way that governance works in Neutron. No, that's a good question, actually. Like, we did take a lot of inspiration from, like, we didn't want to reinvent the wheel, although we were, like, so we were in a situation where we most likely wouldn't be able to, um, to like, reuse um, sort of, like, the traditional systems in Cosmos, e.g. going through, um, you know, the Cosmos SDK, like, the Cosmos SDK Gov module uh, and call it a day. So we, we knew that there's some work would be required. Um, and so what we did is we sort of tried to create um, infrastructure that would be modular and flexible enough to actually sit the um, suit the, the variety of needs and functions that would need to happen on a um, on a shared execution environment like a Cosmosm smart contract platform um, for the ecosystem to be functional basically so that eventually um, what's on chain could become like fully self sufficient right that that's going to take time obviously but that's sort of the 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 goal and so what we did is we um, basically we 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 used DAOs contracts because they did a lot of work on you know like how do you make DAOs as small contracts um, and they made it very modular which was perfect for our use case so what we did is we recombined some of their modules into a specific infrastructure we added a few modules here and there but basically you have um, normally you know what controls the chain is a module within the chain itself right now we don't have that so instead what we have to, we had to do is we added the admin module which is a module that allows you to give an address the um like basically like privileges right and so here in this case in neutron's admin module there's um there's sort of like two addresses one is for the hub and the other one is 
for the neutron DAO, um, which is a set of small contracts on the chain, right? So that neutron DAO is able to change the network parameters and it's able to like trigger updates just like normal governance would be able to do. It basically owns the entire chain, right? The DAO can change anything on Neutron. It's I imagine it's a bit more flexible than the just plain old Cosmos SDK governance module. Yeah, in terms of how you structure it, like how you structure the voting power and the voting systems, it, it's a lot more flexible. Like for example, currently um, there already are multiple voting systems. Like we have single choice proposals like we're accustomed to where you choose one option and that's it. Um, we also have like um, the multi-choice proposals where you can have different outcomes with different Code being executed, and you know the most popular one um, gets executed. We like could also quadratic have, voting style, or we could have that. We could have like gauges and such. Um, for now, we don't have the quadratic one because of civil resistance is still an issue, um, and there's ways to mitigate it. And we're working on on some of these actually for um, for purposes like quadratic funding cool. and, and and stuff. Um, but you know, like quadratic voting would be really interesting to have eventually, but we're not there yet, I guess. Um, and so, yeah, so you can choose, you know, you have modules for how votes are handled. Um, and then there's module, like normally there's one module for how you get the voting power, right? And so the, the normal way that this is handled is you deposit NGRN or the native token of whatever chain or whatever DAO into that voting module and it gives you points of voting power, right? In Neutron's case, in, in, where we, we made a few changes here whereby instead of having one voting module, we actually have a registry first that contains the list of all of the accepted voting modules. And each voting module can be um, specific, basically. So you have the traditional NTRN one, where if you would just want to deposit NTRN and get voting power, you can do that. There's no lockup that's not needed because we're not staking. We're not securing the blockchain with these tokens. We're just like giving you the power to influence the, the network parameters. Um, and then we can have other types of vaults, like for example, uh, people who participate in the log drop or in the liquid auction, their tokens are currently restricted, right? So they, they can't transfer all of them to their wallet. They can't like sell all of these tokens. They're gradually vesting. Um, but while they're vesting, they're actually in a voting vault that basically looks at their LP token, counts the number of NTRN in that LP, and gives them voting power that corresponds to the underlying NTRN. And we can do this for like a, a whole bunch of, of, of different primitives, right? So let's say in the future, there's a great money market on Neutron. And you want to, um, you know, deposit collateral in that money market. Well, you can do that, and then take the received token from the money market, deposit it into a vault, and be able to, um, to, to get voting power. What that gives you is basically um, the ability to remove the opportunity cost of, of participating in governance, because it allows you to participate in DeFi and in governance at the same time without like losing out on on any of these opportunities. Basically, that's um, cool. Yeah, and I mean, it should be noted that in Neutron. Token holders can't can't stake their tokens in the same way that they can with on the hub or, or Cosmos yeah, on yeah, the hub or, or somewhere else. Can, can you yeah, just maybe explain why that, that why that is so people understand why? Yeah, so so it's simply because like the staking token for Neutron is Atom, right? So the hub, like if you want to stake and validate Neutron, you need to stake Atom on the hub basically, um, and then the hub will let Neutron know who the stakers are, well, who the validators are, and how much voting power they have, and that's what. Um, neutron uses to basically validate its blocks, right? Um, yeah. Okay. And so, I, you know, token holders will want to know then, I guess, like what they can do with their tokens. Uh, we, we've got some questions here. I might, I might put one of these on, up on, on the screen, which is, you know, is Lido still planning to do liquid staking on Neutron? If yes, what the current status? And uh, do you know if they'll compete with Stride um, if LSM launches on the hub before they deploy? 
Yeah, that's a good question. I think like, you know, as Kryptonauts pointed out, like it's a, it's a tricky timing for, 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 for any liquid staking provider to sort and come in and compete with Stride. Um, they're like, yeah, like we're working on bringing Lido to, to Neutron. I think that's likely to happen, but obviously it needs to be confirmed by governance as well. There's technical work that's um, ongoing. It's not like it's not finished yet. So, you know, there, there will, there are some, like, I can't guarantee that it will happen, but I think like, you know, I think it is happening, so <laughs> looking forward to that. And I actually think that there's a very strong like business case for what why that should happen. Um, like there's an opportunity here to have a liquid staking token that serves as like the the foundation to a lot of these DeFi activity that that will be built upon Neutron. Um, and so I think I think there's a chance if that can get delivered before the LSM launches and Stride Stride achieves like maximum. Uh, domination of the staking market in Cosmos to actually have a more balanced sort of like um, L like LSD mix in the uh, in in Cosmos that that didn't sound right LSD mix uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe this week, maybe this weekend there's an LSD mix going on uh, <laughs> so so yeah coming back to the governance a little bit um, so there's this DAO structure called Agora. And as right. you mentioned, Agora is a Cosmwasm implementation of the governance module. It has... Um, well, no, not really. It's a, it's it's based on DAODAO and it's a customized implementation of DAODAO okay. um, that has the power to administrate the chain at the network level thanks to the admin module. That That's what we call the Agora, right? Um, okay. The reason why I call it the Agora is because... Um, like as we'll probably get into, there like Neutron has the like the Neutron governance system has the ability to spawn sub DAOs that are part of the entire governance architecture, right? They're not yeah. like separate entity and contracts. They're actually part of the governance infrastructure. And so as a result of this, we expect that there's going to be like the main DAO and then sub DAO X and sub DAO Y, and it's just a lot of DAOs to have everywhere when you speak. So Agora was. Um, just like a, a nice term that represents what it is. It's where every token holder can vote on on what happens to the protocol. And then the sub-DAOs can have their own names um, and, and such. It's taxonomy to try and keep things clear, basically. Yeah, no, that's clear. And can you talk about these different communities, uh, the committees, sorry, that are you know, sub-DAOs essentially within Agora? What are they uh, overseeing and you know, who elects those committees? How, how does that whole process work? How do we... I mean, the short answer is it depends on governance, basically. Like, so this whole thing is controlled okay. by the Agora, right? And so the the what, what's interesting about, like, the sub-DAOs in, in Neutron's case is that, like, once again, using DAO's work and customizing it for the needs of Neutron, um, we have, like, the main DAO, the Agora, has the ability to essentially pull from a library of contracts that are already on chain and instantiate these contracts to create new sub-entities, right? Um, now, in the short term, it's likely that those will look like committees, something like the AA DAO or other DAOs on Juno, for example, where you have like a limited number of people, they each have one vote and they vote on stuff, um, but with two differences, I guess. Uh, the first one being that the main DAO, because it actually created this DAO, uh, remains the admin of this DAO, so it, it has the last say, basically. If you want to dissolve that DAO because it hasn't been performing, it can. Um, and two, because we implemented um, something that we call the overrule mechanism, which is, um, you know, um, if let's say we are a grants committee and we're reviewing applications. Now there's this one application that is either fraudulent or the team is just really bad and it's, it's a really bad investment for the, the, the network to be 
uh, giving a grant to them. But the committee either doesn't say that or they're friends or whatever. Um, they still approve it, right? So they approve the proposal and tokens should be sent to them by that proposal. Before that actually happens, the decision is time locked for like, it's locked for three days and anyone in the Agora can come in and uh, you know contribute voting power to veto that proposal. Except instead of having to vote, like to, to do a whole vote, right? You, the, the threshold to actually cancel it is very low. It's one or 2% of the voting power. And so uh, basically it's like, we trust the committees, but if they don't do a good job, uh, we can prevent them from, from doing anything very easily. It just takes one or 2% of the voting power of the Agora to say like, this, this doesn't look right. Um, so, so that's okay, the first thing, the first few differences. But now subdows are actually not limited to being committees. Um, we like what's interesting about them is basically that, you know, we discussed how we have this like framework that's somewhat modular with like the various voting vaults, the various voting mechanisms as well. And so you could have structures like, let's say we want to do a completely decentralized grants program, right? Um, so we don't want to have a committee. We want to have NTRN like holders do the grants basically. Now, we could do this just through the Agora by making proposals to the Agora and voting on them. But the problem is that it's, it's, it doesn't scale very well. Um, yeah. and it's yeah. very annoying for people who don't want to be voting on this all the time. So instead, what we could be doing is we could have, for example, a two-tiered DAO where you have sort of like, a, like the, the delegate committee and then you have the entire Agora, but in, a, in another sub-DAO, which has then the power to delegate to representatives. And then basically... Like the, the first tier is everyone, it's the entire Agora. And we vote, we allocate our voting power to whoever we think is a great person to be allocating grants, right? Okay, so we delegate it. If they pass a certain threshold, then they move to the next tier, to the, the top tier, where they're actually going to be voting on uh, on things. But let's say you fuck up, um, I don't want to delegate with you anymore. Well, I just take back my my, my voting power and you'll drop from the, from the set. And so we have this dynamic sort of like like liquid democracy basically that we can implement. Um, and there's there's basically like sky is the limit kind of with with what you can do with it. Like the whole point of designing the um, the governance architecture this way is that a small contract platform has a whole bunch of things that it needs to do well. It needs to be allocating resources in most cases like capital, but also um, other types of resources dynamically between participants to maximize. You know the the quality of the developer experience, the quality of the the, the ecosystem. Ensure that liquidity is there, extra extra. Right? There's a whole bunch of things to manage, but all of these things, um, con like not all of these things can be automated first, and they and like specific mechanisms serve the needs of specific tasks better basically. And so the the mechanisms that that is in place on Neutron today allows you to essentially have the mechanism that serves the task best for each specific task basically. Are, are any of these sub because on on your on the website there's like a, a governance uh, post that that talks about all this. Uh, are, are these sub DAOs already created and or are, is this is this a sort of yeah, perspective really for question. the moment? So, so there's one one sub DAO that currently exists as it was part of Genesis. It's the security sub DAO. Um, the security sub DAO is a little bit different from other sub DAOs because it has one special power that other DAOs don't have. Um, it has the ability to freeze the small contracts of other sub-DAOs. So it, it can't freeze the Agora. The Agora is the main power. You can't do anything to the Agora. But for example, in the future, let's say we create a grants proposal and that contract gets hacked or there's a drastic vulnerability, but there's also like a lot of money into that contract, right? So we don't want it to be exploited. So before we can find a fix and roll it out and have a plan and everything, we can freeze the contracts. Or let's say we have another 
um, sub DAOs that does like payroll in the ecosystem. And for some reason, the HR department of the network goes rogue, um, and they want to start like like sending money uh, outside of the of the sub DAO. Well, we can freeze their their contracts to ensure that that they're not going to do that. Basically, um, so the, the security sub DAO currently exists. Um, mm. It's not very active because there's no other sub DAOs. But yeah. I expect in the future that there will be proposals to um, sort of like extend the scope of what it can do by also sort of having the members of that sub DAO um, contribute to for, for like you know refining like best, best practices um, that could be used by by anyone in the ecosystem basically to evaluate the security of the various DApps that are on the chain. Potentially, they could sponsor audits um, for for some of these applications. Uh, may, maybe make deals with auditors to get like discounts for the projects that launch on Neutron. Um, so all, all of that that sort of stuff. Um, so that's for security subdao. I expect the next subdao to launch or to be proposed actually um, to be uh, grants subdao, which you know would receive some tokens from the from from the the agora and basically have you know reporting performance, a funding strategy, and and all of these things, um, and and basically try to maximize. Um, the number and quality of the projects that are uh, launching on Neutron and help some of like the developers sort of like bootstrap on the financial side so that they can commit to building the the, 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 the ideas, the visions that they have basically. Um, so yeah, that I'm pretty excited about. And um, there's been a lot of like work behind the scenes between like, like folks who are interested in being on that committee. The way that I expect them to be elected to be that committee is that they've been working on structuring this for months now. And so they'll propose to do this, and they'll propose to be like the guys who do it, who do it. And then, depending on whether or not governance trusts them to do that or not, um, then that proposal will be accepted. Um, mm. In your document, you sort of like mentioned elections. Um, that's something that's possible um, to to to. Have. For example, for the grand style, let's say the the grand style proposal is approved, but there's one person that the DAO thinks would be really really great, and they're not on the committee. The DAO, like the main DAO, can make a proposal to add them to the committee. And let's say now that there's somebody who they really don't like on that committee, same thing. They can make a proposal to remove them from the committee as well. They're like the Agora is the admin of everything. Um, so that's that's number I mean, one. There's a lots of uh, there's lots of like uh, implications here for um, you know sort of civil attacks. I guess we don't really have identity or strong identity guarantees for any one address. I guess you could probably leverage uh, other systems like, you know, reputation systems or, or even, you know, signing messages that someone sends to their Twitter account to say like, here, here, this is, this is an address that's controlled by me. Um, I think there's yeah, a whole well, bunch I, that, that can be done here. Um, the first thing is that we haven't had the best practices in Cosmos so far. Like the, the committees are somewhat, like there's not a lot of reporting around the activities of, of the committees. Um, so like when, you know, when, when, when we sort of like interacted with people looking to create sub DAOs in, um, in Neutron, we sort of like emphasized um, on, on what the best practices should look, look like here. So making sure that the, the, um, the addresses are associated with these people, that the manuals to check what, what's happening are, are there, that the, you know, all of the information about what they're doing is published on the forums, which will uh, be released soon for, for Neutron as well. So like all of this is sort of like the, the low hanging fruit. Um, now there's other systems, like you, you mentioned some of them actually, um, that we can put in place in order to avoid sort of like this civil problem in the governance system. And it's, it's a real problem. Like I think there's, um, um, there's at least one sort of like support team in, in Cosmos 
um, that that was recently found out to be um, actively sibled by some of its members. E.g., they would you know pretend to be multiple members, but actually they would get the salary for everybody and just be one person. Um, so like that it's a real problem what, what's what was this what's i didn't see this I, I don't know if it broke out yet but yeah there's some dao somewhere in cosmos that had multiple members and some of these members were actually the same person and they were all getting paid so you know that's a bit of a problem right so well if no. that person was pulling seven, you know 80 hours a week for 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 four people you know, you know let them have the money you know they're doing the work yeah but i <laughs> You know, at that point, might as well not pretend to be multiple person and just say, "Look, guys, <laughs> I work really, really fucking hard. You want me to continue working? You're gonna pay me for it." Like, yeah, I think that but... that seems a bit more, you know, transparent and and and, and fair um, than yeah. Just, yeah. I, I'm curious about the security DAO a little bit. How, how does uh, who who's part of the security DAO and uh, what what kind of powers? Do these yeah. individuals well, so in, in terms of, of, of power? I, I, I told you, like the only power that the security DAO has is the power to pause the contracts of uh, other sub DAOs. That's the only thing that they can do. So currently, they have zero power because there's no contracts to be paused. Basically, um, on the security sub DAO, there's currently I think Jihan from Informal, um, Jacob Gedikian from Notional, Claimants from Crypto Crew, um, and one or two members from our team as well. I think Kai and Andre, our CTO. So yeah, uh, that, that's sort of like the, the, the composition so far. Um, and we'll be putting more information about this, but currently it's, it's mostly dormant because there's no contract that they can pose anyway. Uh, right. But we're doing some work on sort of like um, trying to put together a framework for like best practices that can then be used as just like a resource, right? So it's, the, it's a document that other sub does may, may be able to use. Um, yeah. Now, yeah, like for the civil resistance thing, I actually do think that there's quite a bunch of, of solutions that we can um, implement and probably we need to have multiple solutions that sort of like feed into each other. Um, and that does the case for quadratic voting as well. But basically, um, you know, like what you, what you mentioned about like having signed messages on Twitter and stuff like that's that's a good first step. Um, reputation systems could be really interesting. And I think there's a lot of like very interesting applications with like NFTs and stuff. Maybe we can work with Stargaze to do some kind of like cross-chain identity um, with, with, with NFTs. Um, there's, you know, for quadratic funding, like Gitcoin Passport is likely to be available on Neutron sometimes uh, towards the end of the year. And so that should help sort of like create that score, um, that reputation system that helps identify um, and reject Sybils. And in, in the short term, you know, like the proposal to recognize the Neutron Foundation as the sort of like the foundation for the network is passing as far as I know. And so that means that we could probably just leverage the foundation to sort of like conduct an additional check just to make sure that you know we are not hi hiring five times the same person to the DAO um, and, and getting sort of like screwed this way. Um, or there's more trustless mechanisms like there's a chain called HyperSign, which does like KYC verification and they don't publish the KYC on chain. Obviously what they do is they publish a proof, a ZK proof that can then be verified um, but but you know you need to design the right circuit for this and stuff. And here the check would be um, not checking sort of like what their identity is, but the check would be checking that that identity has never been submitted before, basically. Yeah, that's um, unique. Yeah, yeah, it's it's still gameable, right? Because like, how about I really want to be a Sybil and I'm gonna hire this guy like my neighbor to do the KYC on on my behalf, right? So it's it's not perfect. Um, that's why I'm talking about like kind of using all of these mechanisms together, right? Because that gives you a lot more confidence. Sure. Interesting. Um, no, this is super cool. And uh, I think there's lots of, uh, 
interesting governance things that we're going to figure out as as this goes on. Hopefully, not too much drama. Don't need more drama. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fingers crossed. Let's um, cross our train, fingers. Yeah, trying um, our best to sort of be straightforward about things so that like we you know set expectations right and people know that you know um, we're genuine and stuff like this. So hopefully that will save us some drama, but but we'll see. Um, yeah. yeah, it's a permissionless environment, so people can do whatever they want. So, you know, I expect some drama eventually. Let's talk about the tokenomics, the token, the airdrop, the lock drop, liquid liquidity auction, all, all that stuff. So can you uh, just walk us through, you know, the airdrop, who's eligible, what people should be, what actions people should be taking right now uh, to claim, uh, you know, an eventual airdrop that they would have received and... What things can they do with those tokens once they've claimed them? Yeah, for sure. I mean, so, you know, um, as usual, disclaimer, the NTRN token is not available to US investors. It has not been registered as a security. Um, this information and the systems and whatever is not provided to US investors or persons, basically. So if you're a US person, I'm pretty sorry um, about that. If you're interested, sorry. Um, but still, so the... Basically, the, the mechanism is, is is in like three phases, right? So the first one is that there, there's an airdrop to Cosmos Hub um, stakers and delegators, basically. That's about 7% of the supply that is um, allocated based on stake, right? So the more atom you had, the more NTRN you will receive. Um, now, the the there's two things about this mechanism. It's one, what's great about it is that it's civil resistant. So we know that something like, you know, Prop 16 is sort of like impossible to happen because there's economic cost to being a civil in that in that well i mean it's it's not civil vulnerable basically um which can is you great. just remind me what prop 16 was uh the the airdrop of juno tokens that ended right. up having okay. like a large distribution to an equal to takumi who was inadvertently civil <laughs> on the hub basically um, so yeah. because here it's a civil resistant mechanism and we know that there are civils in cosmos we went like this mechanism was in place instead which means that you know even if you're a civil it doesn't change your distribution basically um the sort of like bad thing about this is that the neutron distribution there inherits the cosmos hub distribution so the better distributed atom is the better distributed ntrn is but in reality a lot of the atom is actually concentrated in fewer wallets and so unfortunately that's the same for the airdrop to some extent the airdrop is concentrated we did put some limitations like a, a max cap um, at 1 million and then a soft cap that starts at 100 and just like ramps up to mitigate this but you know that's not civil resistance so we couldn't ramp it up too much before having risk basically um, so that's number one, like the airdrop, um, it's restricted, uh, for three months, EG, like you claim it, you have like three months to claim it. Um, once you claim it, it will start vesting. And once it's vested, those tokens are yours. In the meantime, you get the voting power anyway, so you can start participating in governance already. Now, phase two was the liquid auction. Um, the liquid auction is basically, um, we created two pools, like they're the, the DAO, like the code basically creates two, two pools. Um, which are filled with NTRN tokens, right? And then people can come in in front of these pools and deposit the other side, e.g. either Atom or USDC. Um, and so what that does is that as more deposits are made, just like a, just like a liquidity pool, the, the exchange ratio, the price changes basically. And so that mechanism over time allowed the price of NTRN to be discovered. Um, and at the end of the event, these, like all of the NTRN and all of the Atom or USDC deposits 
were merged into two liquidity pools that are now on Astroport. Um, and um, and they're locked for, um, well, they're vested for three months basically uh, as well. And so, you know, if you participate in the event, you now have LP tokens that represent um, some NTRN and some uh, USDC or Atom, depending on what you deposited. Um, and so the, the point of that phase was a few things. The first one is that mechanism ensures that everybody gets the same price. So whether you're a very sophisticated sort of like high frequency trader or you're you know somebody who's discovering DeFi and Cosmos and stuff, like the wh like whether you're participating or not, you're gonna get the same price. Basically, you're gonna get the same price as everybody. And one of the reasons why that's important is first to protect people who are like learning these things so that they don't get like you know dumped on the day after by more sophisticated actors who got a better price. Um, but also because it aligns the incentives. Basically, it creates this sort of like soft. Um, Floor at which, like, if you know, if the price goes lower, we're all underwater anyway, so we have no incentives to dump further. Um, and our incentives is set to like, let's make this, um, this like successful, basically, um, and the other way around as well. So, basically, that mechanism was tailored to protect people from market manipulation, from uh, the differences in like experience from the various participants, make sure that everybody gets the same price. And from the network's perspective, what it does is that it bootstraps. Um, like a fairly high amount of liquidity that exists on the chain, and some of which is actually owned by the DAO, um, that ensures that the you know whatever happens, even if the market crashes tomorrow, um, there will be some liquidity that's there, so that the system as a whole remains functional regardless of, of what happens. Basically, it's um, it's it's not designed to pump the chain; it's designed to make it more difficult to kill, basically, um, to make it more resilient. Um, and so it, it's, it serves as a, a way to lay the foundations of, of the DeFi ecosystem, basically. Now, there's a last phase to the event, which is the lock drop, whereby if you participated in the liquid auction, um, you know, your LP tokens are vested over three months, but you can decide to lock them for longer, um, which is basically, yeah, you're committing your tokens for longer, your liquidity. And in exchange for that, you're getting incentives upfront, right? So if you participate in the lock drop, you can already claim your your, your rewards. They're like, a, it's a share of 1% of the NTRN supply um, and it depends, yeah. So uh, that's sort of like the initial distribution of voting power in, in Neutron currently. Very cool. Um, so people have been asking here in the, in the chat, uh, which projects are coming to Neutron and when will be they be coming on Neutron? Someone else yeah, sure. has I mean, uh, lots of projects so, soon, TM. <laughs> what, yeah, I mean... Tell us a bit about the, the, the ecosystem of projects that we can expect on Neutron. Yeah, so we're actively working on like bringing Lido. That's the first thing. Um, there's a proposal right now on the Mars governance system to deploy on Neutron as the, the second outpost for Mars, which would provide you know a lending and borrowing market for, for Neutron. Um, I, as far as I, like from my conversation with the NOLAS team, I believe that the first outpost that they'll ever have will be on Neutron. Uh, that's another sort of like um, lending and borrowing mechanism, but it's different from Mars and what they're trying to achieve. Um, there's um, an NFT marketplace called Craft that's looking to deploy for the first time in Cosmos via Neutron. Um, there's, you know, um, likely going to be a Stargaze outpost as well, although I'm not sure about the, the timeline there. I think, um, well, Cosmoswap, like Osmosis's outpost model, already announced that they would be deploying an outpost on Neutron as well. Um, yeah, I don't have the full list in, in mind, but basically we have sort of like these, these bases covered. Um, there, yeah. 
if you want a full list of the projects that are like deploying on Neutron, like I actually showed a visualization during my talk at Gateway. There's like, I think at that time it was about 38 projects that were launching in the next few months. Some of them are actually already live. Like Astroport, for example, is already live. You can use it right now. There's some um, tools that are available as well. Um, and yeah, we're, there's a few assets that are coming to Neutron as well soon that I think people are going to be excited about. Great. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I think it's going to be uh, yes. it's going to be interesting to see this ecosystem grow. And uh, you know, I think this this brings me to my my final question, which is related to. Oh, actually, uh, sorry. sorry. Hold that, hold that thought. Uh, yeah, the, oh, two yeah. things I forgot to mention. Like um, Apollo is also going to be deploying, you know, their their votes and strategies and stuff. And they've like during the the Delphi hackathon on Neutron recently, they've built something that's pretty incredible, which is you know, yield splitting protocol, whereby let's say you're providing liquidity on Astroport, you have an LP token. Now that token has value for two reasons, right? It has value for, because it represents an underlying share of tokens, right? Uh, let's say NTRN and Atom. Um, but it also has value because it's going to receive incentives and trading fees extra, like the yield, right? Now you can split those two, represent them with different tokens, and that allows you to do a whole bunch of stuff. Like, for example, you can borrow, but without risk of liquidation by selling your yield, your future yield, and buying more of the principal with it. Um, you can do the contrary. You can get more exposure to the yield if you think it's going to be really good by selling the principal and keeping the yield and expecting that you're going to get more tokens uh, this way, extra, extra. And so you can use this to make more complex strategies um, in, in vaults and, and stuff. So that's another thing that I, I would be looking forward to. Sorry for interrupting, though. No, no, no problem. That, that's it. I'm sure people will be glad to know that as well. Um, so, yeah, you know, to wrap up here, like, I want to, um, I want to understand you know, the long-term vision is here because if you look at the Cosmos ecosystem, there's at least three other Cosmosm smart contract chains, and there's lots of EVM chains, and you know, a lot of these smart contract layer ones are popping up uh, with. On the feature set, you know, some unique differences between them, but very similar feature sets, or at least you know, feature sets that could be replicated fairly easily between whatever. So essentially, these things are sort of like competing on the same features. What is the niche that you guys are uh, are chasing or going after, and you know, who are you targeting specifically? What what kinds of of, of applications would you like to see built on Neutron and you know, how yeah. does Neutron stand out from, you know, the Junos, the Archways, the Evmoses, the Cantos, and, and all the other ones? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a good question. We're, for this current phase of Neutron's life, we think the right target is cross-chain DeFi application builders, uh, basically. Like, Neutron has a few major differences that are sort of hard to replicate. Like, for example, it seems unlikely to me at this point that the hub would replicate, like provide replicated security to another Cosmosm smart contract platform, because that would feel a bit like a interesting in investment decision, basically. So the first thing is like, it is unique because of its position within the ecosystem, its alignment with the hub and sort of like the, the strong collaboration there um, in terms of security, but also in terms of like sharing revenue, sharing fate, basically. Um, so, so that's that's the first difference. And second thing is like most of the work that went into like building Neutron itself went into building the cross-chain infrastructure that would be accessible 
um, key in hand to the smart contracts on Neutron, right? And so the idea is that instead of, you know, like traditionally, if you're a smart contract platform, your goal is to have everything in your ecosystem. You want every dApp to be exclusive to your ecosystem because that's what brings value and activity and stuff to you. Neutron sort of like flips this narrative on its head whereby um, we don't need that to happen actually. What, what, what Neutron needs to be successful is simply it needs to be used as sort of like a gateway to all of these things as the coordination mechanism for DeFi dApps as you know, sort of like the, 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 the platform that hosts a lot of the uh, cross-chain infrastructure that's built in the ecosystem, like stuff like the allocator and, um, and, 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 and so on. Um, and so that is actually happening already. Um, stuff like, for example, well, I mean, the allocator and, and, and others are currently getting built on Neutron, and so they will be providing value to the entire ecosystem. Um, quadratic funding and bringing that to Neutron is also one like something that goes into that direction, right? We're bringing it to Neutron um, for two reasons. The first one is that it's much easier to get, um, you know, like if you go to a large Ethereum protocol and tell them, hey, can you launch on my chain? And, and you're a Cosmos chain, they're probably going to look at you like, not sure you have the market for the market size for to for that to make economical sense to us, right? Now, what neutron question infrastructure changes is that it the, the pitch changes drastically, right? It's hey, do you want to deploy on one chain? E.g., you only have to do the work once and then get exposure access to the entire Cosmos ecosystem of 51 blockchains. That's a very different like business decision to make for these applications, right? And so, for example, with Gitcoin. We're working on on bringing Gitcoin to Neutron, which will then be um, you know tailored like designed to be accessible by every chain, so that you know it's not just Neutron benefiting from this. It's the entire ecosystem now has a new primitive to fund infrastructure um, and public goods all across the Cosmos ecosystem, right? And so that helps like from from Neutron's business case perspective, that helps solidify Neutron's um, central position in the ecosystem. But from the ecosystem's perspective, it's also a net benefit because we're bringing new mechanisms, new funding streams. We're helping projects basically grow and have more resources to, to, to go on, basically. Um, so I would say that that sort of like fundamental shift between, oh, we want everything to be neutron specific to, no, we, we want everything to benefit the entire ecosystem and we will help provide that. And in, in so doing, we will become an important part of the ecosystem that will you know not be lost or, or, or disappear because you know we, we are so valuable. Like what what Neutron, this project, this uh, blockchain provides, is so valuable to the ecosystem as a whole that the ecosystem wants it to remain, basically. Um, so it's it's sort of like a different mental model, I guess, on mm. on how you approach the project. It's not competitive. It's it's very collaborative in nature. Yeah, and it comes back to this whole topic of of ICS, right? And I think that you know these twenty or so chains that. Will will be on ICS will have to be highly aligned in terms of their complementality and uh, and also the value that they kind of bring to this ecosystem that's being built around ICS, right? So like you have Neutron, which is execution. Uh, we'll have you know uh, we'll have uh, uh, Stride, which does liquid staking. We'll have you know, Noble that does USDC and other stable coins and and other you know very important building blocks to building a, a decentralized application ecosystem will you know, maybe we'll have you know off-chain execution or or storage or like all, all these essential building blocks to uh to um to to building decentralized applications will kind of live there and i see that as like kind of the future of the hub is like building this yeah all, all of these uh, kind of agree, yeah. all these kind blocks of to to build better decentralized applications secured by the cosmos hub yeah bring gravity back 
bring gravity bridge back because it's very insecure currently and it makes sense for the hub to have a good bridge but well yeah. i mean actually i i removed this comment please don't cancel me. um <laughs> <laughs> great well uh it's been great having you on a uh, really interesting conversation i hope people liked it quite a few people in the live stream so uh thank you so thank much you for, for coming on and i i just want to give you the opportunity to talk a little bit about uh what you guys are doing at Ebizer summit so neutron is the title sponsor of nebula summit this year we're super excited to have them and uh you know couldn't be more pleased to have them as a partner and uh so i but yeah you'll be giving a talk and you'll also be giving a workshop do you want to talk a little bit about um the workshop that uh, neutron will be delivering on hack day yeah so well basically we're we're putting together a lot of resources for people to sort of like hit the ground running and then we'll be walking you through um, building sort of like a simple cross-chain um, set of smart contracts on Neutron. Don't want to spoil too much like what it's going to do, but um, basically if you've been interested in you know the infrastructure on Neutron um, and want to learn a bit more about it, well, it's going to be a really good um, sort of like time to basically get cracking with it, have somebody to help guide you through the motions there um, and, and, and get something built quickly. So I think that's going to be pretty interesting to, to attend to. I'm looking forward to see basically anyone who wants to, to attend and, and come chill. There we go, chill vibes. <laughs> oh, I was muted. Uh, I, I was gonna say, I'm, I'm gonna shill the website, uh, nebular.builders. This is where you can get tickets to Nebular Summit. Once again, that's July 24th, 25th. That's Monday and Tuesday after ETC. So if you're coming to ETC and you're going to OsmoCon and you're going to Modular Summit, stay for an extra couple of days to come to Nebular. And you can also register for Nebular Hack Day that's on July 23rd. And it's completely free. So you know, whether or not you have a Nebular ticket, you can come to Hack Day. And uh, the details of, of Hack Day and all the workshops are here. So we also have a workshop by Juno. It's happening at the same time as the Neutron workshop, which is, uh, for now anyway, that's that's what we set it up here in the agenda. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll, we'll We'll change it to a lot. <laughs> but uh, you know, so that's an interesting choice you guys made. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, th this is still kind of pending, right? I mean, th this might change a little bit. We also have OKP4. Uh, they're doing a workshop on the main stage. OKP4 is a French team. We had a uh, tail on the podcast uh, two weeks ago. And then DYDX is also giving uh, a workshop, which will be really cool as well. Uh, so that's for anybody who's, you know, technical enough to deploy a smart contract and, you know, knows how to code. So we, we encourage people to, that have development experience to, to come to Hack Day. Uh, and then for Nebula Summit, well, you know, it's it's two days of technical talks. And so, you know, go check out our speaker lineup. Um, how are you now? Oh, there you are. You're on the homepage right here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we have uh, Polymer Labs. We have Yelena from Noble, Dean from Agoric, uh, Ismail from Celestia, Ismail from Lagrange, uh, uh, Dan from Cosmology. We have uh, Guy from Secret, uh, Yair from Lava Network, uh, you. Uh, we have Lucien from Blockless, uh, Henry from Penumbra, and many more familiar faces in the Cosmos ecosystem, uh, Sunny and uh, Manfred from No. So uh, this is also this is also uh, uh, growing. So we, we're we're adding new speakers uh, every every couple of days, and we'll have the agenda up soon. And I hope you'll check out the venue as well. The venue is Albert School. It's such a cool space, and I know everyone is going to love it. Uh, it's uh, an old ceramics factory, and so it has a very unique Art Deco Parisian vibe from like late 19th century and um we're, we're super excited to be having it here so that's that's nebula summit and uh it's happening in well 
like five and a half weeks. So we, we need to get our act together and get things, oh, uh, get things ready. <laughs> really looking forward to it. Um, yeah. It's going to be an interesting few weeks preparing yeah. for everything. Cool, man. So thanks again. Thanks so much. And uh, yeah, I'll see you soon. Cheers. Thanks for having me on.